It sounds like a, a pop group, isn't it? Like a, I, I told you last two weeks, and uh, I don't know if that question you have been able to answer it. And for those of us who were not here last two weeks, the question also applies to you. And the question is if you are arrested right now for being born again, will there be enough evidence to convict you of this charge? Right now, if they walk in and they handcuff you and they say you are under arrest and you say why and they say because you are born again. When you are taken to court, will there be enough evidence to prove that you are born again? Tell your neighbor, she is talking to you. And ask your neighbor, do you have any evidence of this? I think that it's good that we are ending the year and we are talking about a very basic, fundamental reason of our faith, isn't it? Yeah, because the whole essence of Christmas, of Easter, of Passover, of communion, of whatever, of baptism, of everything is salvation. Amen. And I think that it is really good that we talk about this in a somber manner and also we teach about it because this one is not a message that you can necessarily preach. You understand? Because this one is not I receive it, I take it, I lock it. Do you understand? This one, it's a matter of either I am or I am not. And I pray that as we teach on this, any form of ambiguity will be dispelled, you know, and the essence of teaching it is firstly to, for you to find out whether you are born again, because there is a great deception in Christianity that if I go to church, it means I'm born again. If I'm working really hard, I'm singing the choir, I help, I usher, I'm serving, that means I'm born again. I give, I tithe. I give offering. That means I'm born again. And none of the above is true. Some of us even truly believe that once I'm baptized, I'm born again. Baptism does not mean you are saved. You will get baptized because you are saved. Baptism does not bring you salvation. But when you are saved, you get baptized to make your salvation public. So it means that for those of us who are normally and always in the house of God, we have to be really wary that we are not just in the house of God, but we are actually saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because if you are around, you know, if you are somebody that maybe you have gone to stay with a friend in a union of leads, term after term, you understand? But you actually, you don't have, they have not given you or you have not been accepted onto any course. But you are always there. You haven't registered. Your name is not on any list of uni. You can be in the uni for four years. For eight years. You will never graduate. In fact, you can even find your way into all the lectures. And maybe you are the one who answers most of the questions. And actually, you have been really reading all the notes. So the lecturer really likes you. Because it looks like you are very sharp and you are very, it, you take all the assignments 
really seriously. But if you are not supposed to be in Union of Leeds and you never got admission into Union of Leeds, all your studying, your learning, your availability, you're going to let it come in, is cost 90. Because you will never graduate. Why? Because when they, get, they go onto the computer to put grades in, they can't put any grade by your name because your name is not there. When heaven makes a roll call, will your name be on it? Because you don't have that chance to go and put your name. I know there's a lot of deception also when it comes to Christianity. Because for some of us, even when we're children, they put a drop of water on our head and it meant that now we are part of the Christian race. But that is not true. Do you know that we have also a lot of um, what do you call it? This, uh, I don't know what to call them. Some are fairly cultish. Some say they are whatever. And there are some that the being born again is signified by you being put in a coffin overnight. Yes. And then when, uh, yeah, once you have been in the coffin overnight, you come out as born again. It's not true. <laughs> All you come out is somebody who almost suffocated. Somebody who saw and then made it. I don't know if they have holes underneath the coffin. But that does not give you, but that does not bring you salvation. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a whole lot of activities that go on, but it doesn't bring salvation. And that is a really scary, especially in the charismatic movement. Because you know that when you are a charismatic Christian, or a non-denomination. It's very exciting and interesting. And there's a whole lot that goes on. So you can just easily fit in. And the other scary bit is that because you can come into the house of God and enjoy the amazing music and maybe you can really sing and you start singing or you can really do whatever you start doing. After a while, it becomes shameful to give your life to Christ because it looks it's so surprising that you mean you are not saved because we have already elevated you above just uh, being saved. Do, do you understand? Now you are like a great... We are even expecting you that the next appointment and ordination, you will be in front that they will call you that you are going to start a church or uh, something somewhere. Do, do you get what I'm saying? But it, 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 and, and it's a scary thing. Because now you are not only deceiving others, you are deceiving yourself. Because you have assumed, assumed that I've been around, I've heard so many messages, I've been around the word of God so long. I feel like I'm talking to somebody today that giving your life to Christ is a whole different thing from everything else we do in the house of God, around the house of God. Amen. And so if you are not sure, you are not certain, I pray that as we teach on these things, you will become more certain. You know, and the second thing is the fact that others need to be saved, and it is upon us to direct them, to introduce them, to help them, and to bring them to that place. Amen. Amen. Yeah. One way or the other, somebody shared the word of God with us. One way or the other, somebody encouraged us to come into the house of God, where we heard a message being preached, where we got convicted, and where we took a decision. Now it is upon us to make sure that others also get that opportunity to be saved. Amen.
And I think one, another reason why it is good for us to talk about this also is that we need to find out and ask ourselves, and I think this one, it covers nation upon nation upon nation, that why are we having so many more churches and more Christians? The population of the Christian race is more than it was 10 years ago. But how come our communities and our own very lives are still the same? Because if we say we are born again, then it means that you are growing again somewhere. Do you understand? It means that there is something, a new development. So how can we see the new development? Do you know, a baby cannot come out of the womb and live as if they are in the womb. They are now on earth. And the Bible says that if we are born again, then we are the salt of the earth. Which means that we must bring a certain taste to the world. And we must bring the preservation of the truth. Are we salty enough? Are we salt? Because I don't know how many of you cook. If you don't cook, it doesn't matter. Just act like you cook. How many of you know that it's not about putting salt, just about putting salt in the food? You can put salt in the food and the food will still not be tasty. Do you get what I'm saying? The food must have enough salt before it becomes tasty. Do you get it? Yeah, because maybe if you are cooking a big pot of soup or whatever, and you put maybe half a teaspoon of salt, you have put salt nevertheless. But most people will taste the food, and their first comment is that there's no salt. So you may say that you are salty, but anytime we taste you, we can't taste salt. Yeah. It appears that the thing is salty, but it's not. Yeah. And when we say we are also the ones who are supposed to preserve. You see, the, the thing about preservation is that it means that the thing does not go off. Do you understand? When you put salt on things, it means that they can survive for a long time. Yeah, there are some countries, they have what we call salted fish. From the Caribbeans to the African, they, they like salted fish. I don't know what reason. It's smelly. It's, oh gosh. Anyway. But it's also, they say it's powerful. They say it's tasty. They say, yeah. Lola said she was like, yep, yep, it is absolutely tasty. (laughs) But if you are trying to, if you are trying to preserve the fish, you need a certain amount of salt. In fact, before you can use it to cook later, you have to try and get rid of, you have to wash and wash, yeah. yeah. But I don't know what amount of salt we have. That is why we are going through this thing. Because we have been playing as Christians. We are, it's almost like it's an act that we too, we have got parts to play in the scene. Do you understand? So we come to church on a Sunday. Those who p- play prayer will lead prayer. Those who play instruments, that, then those who, then we'll have seen too. Then the pastor will also come and play. Their play then, isn't it? Then we'll close. And then all those who came to watch will also all clap. And then we all go and we say the movie was powerful. Amen. But it is a death and life situation. And it is last two weeks I started explaining to you that being born again was the act. Or let me give to you to those who were not here. Anyone who has repented of their sins turned to Christ for their salvation through the inner workings of the Holy Spirit in that life. 
and therefore becoming a part of God's family forever. So I said that when you see yourself being a seasonal Christian, ask whether you are saved. Yeah, because you can't be born, I'm born, born, I'm born, born, I'm born. I mean, can you imagine, for a lot of us, our parents will misbehave and we'll just unborn ourselves. Yeah, and then when things are better, we'll born ourselves again. But it's not so. When you are born, you can never be unborn. Otherwise, most of us would have unborn, unborn ourselves, find another couple and go and born ourselves in that place. But it doesn't work that way. Once you are born, you are born. And let's read John chapter 3, because I believe that John chapter 3 gives us such a precise explanation of it. You know, in First um, John chapter 5, verse 1, the Bible said, Everyone who believes adheres to, trust, and relies on the fact that Jesus is the Christ, is a born-again child of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. As we begin to look at this particular topic, you will come to realize that even some of your behavior is a sign that you're not really born again. Yeah, because when it said that, it didn't say everyone who loves the father, but it says that also loves the one born of him. So you love God, you love Christ, because Christ is born of the father, isn't it? Then you love every born again person too. Yeah, don't touch the person by you. But there's a high probability that the person sitting by you does not love somebody who's also born again. Yeah. Some of us, even this morning, were quarreling with somebody that the father loves. This morning, this morning, this morning, we had a quick fight. You know, some of the quarrels are prolonged, some two are very short. <laughs> and some auto we pause. We didn't finish, we just halt. And then we take off exactly from where we left off. It's a, it's a sign of where our salvation also sits. Ish. John chapter 3. We are going to look at a man. The reason why John chapter 3 is such an amazing chapter in the Bible is because the person we are talking about was a very religious person. Do, do you understand? In, in, our, in, our, in the house of God today, he will definitely be sitting in the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he will have a great title. Because the person we are describing, they said he was a Pharisee. Do you understand? A Pharisee is a religious leader. And not only was he a Pharisee, among the Pharisees, he was a ruler. So it wasn't just a low-level apprentice. He, <laughs> he was a ruler. And Bible commentary says that he was a very wealthy man. So a rich man, a very religious man of a high religious standing is talking to Jesus. And thank God he spoke to Jesus. Do you know that? There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Why don't people name their children Nicodemus? Yeah, you just make it short, Nico, Nico. Yeah, my next one. No, I already have a name for my next one. No, no, no. Amen, amen. Reverend is not saying amen. A ruler of the Jews. A ruler of the Jews. 
the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, the same came to Jesus by night. You see? And that is what I was talking about, that sometimes when we have hung around religious things for a long time, it becomes a shameful thing for us to show a sign that maybe we don't know something or we don't understand something. You know, and if, in case you didn't know, Jesus was a radical person in his day. You know how we say people, we have fanatical Christians, isn't it? Whatever. Jesus was a radical person. So if you are a very straight, pious person, you don't want to be seen hanging out with him. Nicodemus was supposed to be on a higher religious standing. And that makes it difficult. So he had to go to Jesus by night. Undercover lover. Shaba. I'm just checking whether you are saved or not. The way you got really excited, I realized that. And you see, that is part of our religiosity. Do you understand? Because maybe now I, I don't say certain things. I don't sing certain songs. I don't go to certain places. That does not mean you are born again. It does not mean that. Because Shabba is Shabba. I mean, whether you like it or not. And saying it does not mean you are saved or unsaved. It's a very Pharisee spirit for people to count you as righteous or religious when God has disqualified you. You go to get to heaven and then you will see that Mr. Loverman is sitting right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. There's a, a guy, he's now even a pastor, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's Papa San. Yeah. When I was young, the music that he used to play, you have to put your hands in your ears so that you won't hear it. But now, when he does altar call, you see people who give their life to Christ. So if you say, Baba San is a bad man, you have lost the plot long ago. And there are many who are, appear so good. And the doors are shut. This same man came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, I mean, teacher, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Which means that when Christ comes in, there's something that should differentiate from just being religious and having Christ. Because this person talking was somebody who was extremely religious and he was telling him that, listen, what you are doing and how you are teaching, it can only be from God. Because a lot of the time, religion and religious behavior actually takes you away from God. And puts you in a place of routine. Hmm. Verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, I've been reading this verse and reading this verse. But when I was reading it again, I realized that Nicodemus asked Jesus something. And Jesus answered a different question that Nicodemus had not asked. 
Nicodemus was interested in the miracles and the signs of signs and wonders. Wanted to know what's the source of your power. How are you doing these things? You know, we have been following God. You know, this one, this your own is a bit exceptional. You know, Jesus could have said that, you know, my power comes from my whatever, you know, the miracles are. Jesus answered unto him and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I don't know if you have noticed, verse 3 just told us, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 5 just told us, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Third time. There was just something about it that he realized that these people have moved like 10 steps forward, so I have to bring them back to the basic point. And the verse 5 said something, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Which means that being born again is linked to our entrance into the kingdom of God. Look at Romans um, 8. Actually, let's look at Romans 14 first. Romans chapter 14. Hmm. Salvation is coming into the house of God. Amen. Romans 14, verse number 17. Romans 14. The King James says that, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's say it again. <laughs> Pastor Ben, it's not that bad. No, 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 no. We can't do that. Please. But that scripture is telling us that the kingdom of God, which salvation brings, is righteousness, peace, and joy. And that is why I asked you that question. That if you are in prison today or you are caught today and you are taken to court that you are born again, would we find righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost? Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. I am saying I am born again. If I am saying I am born again, then what must I be? And where, what must be around me? And what must be in me? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But I don't know if you know it. Some of the most quarrelsome people are Christians. They use scripture to quarrel. They stand on scripture to quarrel. Preach, pastor, preach. Preach it. Yeah. 
righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. When people come around you, do they experience joy? When people come around you, are their spirits lifted up? When people come around you, do they go back heavy or do they go back lighter? You say you are born again. We are not going to dispute it. All we are asking is that we want evidence of righteousness, peace, and joy. Yeah. You see Christians discussing. Yeah, but what kind of sin is really a sin? After all, even if we are, we are just about to get married, so if we sleep together, we'll be married anyway. We are almost married. Yeah, you know, all this righteousness, righteousness. The Bible even says that our righteousness is as filthy as rags. The Bible says that there is none righteous. No, not one. You want another scripture? I'll give you. That should tell you that even the way you fight against righteousness. Because, you see, Christianity is not a, a religion of rules and laws. Thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not. No. Christ came to fulfill the law. Which means that when you have Christ, you don't need to memorize the Ten Commandments. Christ in you will let you live that which you ought to live. Nobody has to come and say, stop doing this, stop doing that. When we have to give you a list of do's and don'ts, you are not saved. I'm preaching. I told you I'm teaching, so I, I, I want it to sink in and I want it to marinate. Because 2020, we are either saved or not saved. 2020, we are either in the kingdom or not. Yeah. And we have to fight for it. Because the introduction of our new age Christianity, our whatever, whatever, our, can never erase John chapter 3. We don't have, no one comes to the Father except by me. There is no other source of salvation except Christ. And I told you, I said, sometimes you have to hear the word of God a number of times be in the, for you to have that conviction because it's not something that somebody, in fact, those of us who always like having Christian arguments and arguing with people at our workplace, stop it. Because people cannot receive kingdom things unless they have been born into the kingdom. That is why when you are having arguments, why do you tithe? Is tithing necessary? Tithing is an Old Testament. You are having foolish discussion. What you need to be sharing with them is just introducing Christ to them. And you have to introduce Christ to them till they come to that realization that this is what I need. And it's something that you have to take for yourself. Yeah. You see, church registration is good that you are known that you are part. But church registration is not heaven ticket. When you get to the gates of heaven, they don't ask you what is your church number. In fact, they don't even ask you what church did you go to. Every year we baptize people. It's very good, but it's not. What is the most important thing is that kingdom is in you. And you don't have to tell us that the kingdom is in you. We will know that the kingdom is in you. You know, when I was reading that Romans 14, I realized that why don't we create peace around us? 
Because the thing about Christ is that he gives the peace that passes all understanding. That means that you, as a born-again Christian, the kind of peace you walk in and the kind of peace you bring, people should not be able to understand. Basically, what are you saying? Because sometimes life is stressful. Sometimes you are going through so much. Sometimes you are under so much pressure. Sometimes things are not working left. But somehow you are able to sustain your peace. That comes from your salvation. So when you see yourself being so overwhelmed and overcome by every situation, then it means that Christ is not in you. Romans chapter 3, verse 25, the Bible says that for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice of sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Amen. Revelation three seventeen. the Bible says that you say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And that is what I mean by coming to that revelation, coming to that realization that I may be rich. I may be doing well. I may be have a lot of things. But unless you come to the realization that in terms of your spirit, you are wretched, you are miserable, you cannot come to the place of acceptance of Christ. And if you don't come to the place of acceptance of Christ, there is no way you can manifest the kingdom of God in your life and around you. Amen. I pray that you will come to the place that you realize that God has sent his son to rectify a certain situation, which means that where death should have taken place, life has come. Hebrews says that it is appointed unto man once to die and after death, judgment. Let me tell you this. I don't know what faith you're coming from, what background you have. There is no salvation after death. There is no salvation after death. Every time we go for funerals, we keep saying they are resting in, rest in peace, rest in the Father's arms. It's not true. It is not true. Yeah, then we make prayers that Lord let their soul. Yeah, their soul where is going? It, it was, they took that decision before they went. Can we say a word? Galatians 2.20 the only source of your salvation is Christ. The only source of your salvation is Christ. Once you come to that realization that, listen, I'm wretched, I'm miserable. Listen, all of us have problems. All of us have issues. But the one thing I can tell you is that when you are saved, 
when you are born again and when you truly believe it and when you walk in it you will realize that the way you handle your challenges the way you handle your problems the way you handle your setbacks is very different from somebody who is not saved galatians 2 20 the bible says that i do not treat the grace of god as meaningless for if keeping the law could make us right with god there was no need for christ to die with us that's verse 21 verse 20 says my old self has been crucified with christ it is no longer i who live but christ lives in me so i live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me i do not treat the grace of god as meaningless for if i keep the law for if keeping the law could make us right with god then there was no need for Christ. So I don't care how morally right you are, unless you accept Christ, there is no way. And Galatians teaches us something. It says that if you are born again, then it means that self must be crucified with Christ. And he says that it is not I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. You can assess yourself and find out whether the way you live I always say that whatever you are doing at whatever time T, if Christ were to come, will you stop? Because all of us don't know when Christ is coming. We have no date. I know they give us dates every now and then. They will calculate something, permutate the stars and their this and give us 20, 20. They've given us dates, many, till today, and they're still giving us dates. Please, don't be encouraged by that and say, oh, 2020. It's not true. No man knows the day. But all I'm saying is that if Christ came now, if Christ were to arrive now, we'll continue preaching, isn't it? And we'll say amen. So, when we live here, wherever we are at, whatever we are doing, if Christ were to come, would we pause, retreat, or continue? I tell you, our Christian life is so precious that we should stop treat, treating it so trivially and begin to walk step by. Next week, I'm going to teach us a couple of things because I want us to appreciate what we have. Value it and value it so much that we want to share it with somebody. You want to encourage, I want us to have a burden that now when you realize that your mother is not saved, your brother is not saved, your father, let it become a burden on you. And when you realize that the salvation that you thought you have, actually it's not, you've just been hanging around church. I pray that you will find Christ. See, the life that I now live, it's not my own life, but it's Christ. So he says what? I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So as for the earthly body, we're always going to live in it. But there's an instant translation or transplant with salvation. Your spirit is changed. Christ is in you. The body is the same, but the spirit you have is that of Christ. And when that spirit comes in you, that spirit makes you live a certain way. That spirit makes you think a certain way. That spirit makes you operate in a certain way. You cannot have the spirit of God 
and be growing in the spirit and the things of God and have hatred for your brother have hatred for your sister be so covetous be so envious be so jealous that level of jealousy and envy can never come from Christ in you there's a freedom that comes with salvation there's a release that comes with salvation there's a joy that comes with salvation you will be discussing your problem and you are smiling because you know who owns it you know how it will end you know how it will finish you know who is in charge 